tomorrow is the Feast of All Saints, which is a Holy Day of Obligation. That means if you are a member, a full member church, you have to go to Mass, unless you are deathly ill or unable to, or under communist control. <laughs> Those are the two, con- two conditions I, I grew up with. But, um, but uh, my mother told us, and I always thought of it afterwards, that, that the Feast of All Saints is the feast of everybody else. And by that she meant, on the, we have on the liturgical calendar throughout the year all the saints' feast days. Not all of them, but many of them. And everybody has a feast day, even if we don't celebrate their feast day. But pretty much every saint gets a feast day. But then there's everybody else who is known only to God who is a saint, but they just haven't been canonized because they got they didn't get through the system, they didn't have a religious community to push them, they didn't, you know, whatever. And that there are many, many, many more of them than we know. And but they are still as beloved as there are probably a million Saint Teresa's. You know, if you think of the religious through the ages who have loved God with the complete sacrifice of their life. So I love to think of that, that All Saints is really the biggest party of the year in heaven um, because it's everybody else uh, that, that's up there. Um, and so, um, you know, there's some saints that have your interests at heart that you don't even know who are following you and interceding for you because you came from their town or you're in their lineage or you're whatever, you know, um, and it's a neat kind of neat thing to think about. Um, so um, think, keep that in mind when you go to Mass on All Saints. And then we have All Souls, um, which is the next day. And uh, I'm not mistaken, the only day of the year where a priest can say three Masses. Is that, isn't that correct? Is it still that way? Uh, well, you can mm-hmm. with most places you can now anyway. Because, because of the parish shortages. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but before, mm-hmm. yeah. In Camelot, it's the only place without a dispensation. Without a dispensation, right. And and um, they, um, so it's the day to pray for everyone in purgatory, um, anyone that of your lineage uh, who might be up there um, forgotten. And um, I always think when I, about the souls of purgatory, you know, because it's a different time thing than down here. and. Um, my, the story that always stuck with me was um, the children of Fatima. One of the stories is that um, one of their little friends died, and he was a teenager, I guess. So he wasn't quite a li- as little as they were, but he was a teenager in the village. And when he died, it made quite a, um, you know, it struck the village very strongly. And one of the kids asked Mary about him, and. Um, she said to him, he will be in purgatory until the end of time. And I'm thinking a little Portuguese teenager is in purgatory that long. Uh, and it's probably a combination of two things. One is unrepented sins, obviously, but also that maybe he didn't have anybody to pray for him. And so we have to uh, take very seriously the idea of praying for the dead uh, because, frankly, they will remember us, I think. They get into heaven ahead of us, and then it's our turn. And I can't imagine people forgetting that debt of gratitude. That, wow, you were the one who prayed for me when everyone else forgot me. So 
keep that in mind. But so these are definitely two days to go to mass um, tomorrow because you have to be in the party. Um, but you know it's an off day of obligation. Um, and then uh, the next day because um, it's uh, part of being in the family is to assume that burden of prayer for um, the dead. Any any other comments on All Saints or All Souls? <laughs> so cool. Okay. How do now. you pray for? <coughs> I've heard the word repose. So I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. I I don't know. I'm, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, how do you pray for? Just pray they go into heaven. I mean, um, you know, the, there's a, the beautiful a prayer, prayer that's yeah. traditional is eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. And and that's. Um, you know, tradi- that kind of says it all. You know, so right now, if you think of in the C.S. Lewis sense, purgatory is a place of tension, where they're afraid they can't move, they're frozen, they can't move forward because they're most of them looking back, and they're they're just there's something on earth that they're clinging to, and it's relationships or it's their stuff, it's their mostly their sense of self. They don't know who they would be up there in that light. I don't know if I'm going to like being in that light. I might not know myself. And so basically purgatory is this period of suspended frozen animation. This is in C.S. Lewis's sense, I think. And I love it. I think it really... Because it doesn't have anything to do with God holding them there. It's that they are holding themselves there. I think other people stay there because they don't think they're worthy. You know, How could I with my... That thing I did! I, I just... I couldn't, I got, I'm not done with that yet. You know, like they can't, they can't take in God's mercy. So they're kind of refusing to accept it. And then um, St. Catherine of Genoa wrote, she had a vision of the souls in purgatory, several actually. One of them came and talked to her and told me, write down everything I'm going to tell you. But um, she's considered the saint of purgatory because of her, um, you should read her book uh, about it, purgatory, Catherine of Genoa. But she wrote, she had a vision once of when a, when a soul leaves purgatory, it goes like springing out, like bing, you know, and it's kind of like it gets it, and then it's like the champagne ball cork, like boom, you know, like I'm free. And, um, but the idea of like what is it that makes that happen, you know, I think, honestly, I think it's that God's grace, because of the prayers of someone else, God's grace steps that much closer to them, God's life, and it doesn't force them because it can never, we're not going to lose our free will after death. That's not going to take our freedom away. Um, but it's, it's like it inches a little bit closer so they get so distracted in God they forget themselves and then bing, you know, and then they can let go. But I think the idea of praying for them so that they get past whatever it is they're clinging to and, and just trust. So that they can just trust, then they have joy. Um, and they're not, um, you know, they're not in love with their sin the way the people in hell are. You know, but um, Lewis, it, it just, it's kind of like at the moment of death, God stands in front of you. And you look at it, and you either say, that's what I've been waiting for, or you go, ugh, that's so not what I want. And and so he's going to, you know, and, and you just get used to seeing him in this earth in, in the unlikely places, and then you recognize him afterwards. But there's not going to be any trick to it. It's not like a, you know, game. 
So um, I think to pray for them that they, that the souls in purgatory, that they get past whatever it is that they're, that's keeping them chained, in a, you know, keeping them frozen. Yeah.